want to welcome everybody to the Doctrine of Christ class that's happening tonight. Dustin, I would love to turn it over to you, just making sure that you're able to hear everything. If you need presenting abilities, let me know, and I think I can pass it on to you. You The purpose for these meetings is to study the Doctrine of Christ. And the Doctrine of Christ in its most basic form um, is really the, the path of ascension. It's the uh, it's the path that was outlined in Lehi's dream that uh, most of us are probably very familiar with, where you enter in at the gate, which is the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Christ is the one who stands at that gate. And we learn from the Book of Mormon that he employeth no servant there. <clears throat> so we can't we can't uh, force our way in. Um, all we can do is prepare ourselves. And the way we do that is by offering up a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And um, I'm feeling like I ought to tell my, uh, you know, my story, how I, how I got to that point and, uh, you know, came to the, came to the gate and offered up a broken heart, contrite spirit and what happened at that point. Um, you know, for, for those of you, if any of you, <clears throat> knew me before, you know, uh, growing up until about um, four or five years ago, I was uh, I was pretty shy, uh, especially when I was young. I was very self conscious. Um, I couldn't uh, couldn't look strangers in the eye, even people I knew. I had a hard time looking them in the eye. I would uh, walk down the street, always looking kind of down, or you know, I look away. Wouldn't make eye contact with people unless I had to. And then it made me very nervous. I was always, uh, you know, kind of afraid of people, um, very shy. <clears throat> the, the, uh, the scariest thing in the world for me was, uh, was you know, make the idea that I might make a fool of myself. And I was very, very self-conscious. I was afraid that I would inevitably say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And, uh, you know, people would make fun of me or judge me. And I knew that they did that to others. So I thought for sure they would do that to me. So, <laughs> and I just didn't want to, uh, you know, to, to uh, draw attention to myself because I, I thought I'd mess up. Well, that kept, kept me from um, really coming to love people because I was afraid of them. And it was kind of strange because I actually did love them to some degree. I, I cared about people, but it was hard to care about people I didn't know um, because it was scary. <laughs> and I was uh, I was often called to be leader, you know, in the leadership position, you know, in, in church callings. But it was never, you know, never the quorum president or the, the leader himself. It was always a counselor of some sort. And, um, you know, I always breathed a huge sigh of relief whenever uh, you know, whenever somebody else was called to be the bishop or the oldest corn president or some some meaningful you know calling where you'd have to be in front of people and you know and, and direct discussions and, and be the center of attention. <clears throat> but I always felt that deep down there was something more that I was meant to be. I just knew that, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. It was just kind of a vague impression that I was, you know, supposed to be doing more than, than I was. And I, I knew that I was, um, you know, I, I, I knew I was letting the Lord down. 
and it got uh, it was hard to do that. So I just kept, uh, you know, kept doing my best. And, you know, I, I ended up going on a mission and, you know, every day I had to pray for hours. Um, well, pretty much I had a prayer in my heart all day long. <laughs> I prayed for probably an hour every morning <clears throat> just for the strength, for the courage to be able to go tracting and talk to people. And I was always nervous to the point where I would uh, literally throw up after every meal, even when people invite us over for dinner, I would end up having to excuse myself and run to the bathroom and throw up. And, and, uh, I had to, sometimes when I was cornered about it, I had to kind of make it, you know, try to tell them it's not the food. I promise it's not the food. It's I'm just, uh, you know, I just nervous and can't keep things down. Um, of course that made things even worse, (laughs) but Anyway, I uh, I got into personal development and really um, decided to give it my all. I wanted to be a better person than I had been and learn, you know, learn skills about how to you know, how to present and how to go out of your comfort zone. And I really put myself to the test, really trying to put myself out of my comfort zone as, pos- as much as possible, even though it was hard for me. Um, back in, uh, in 2016, about halfway through the year, actually exactly halfway through the year, I, I was at a personal development, um, event and I'd been working so hard on myself and I'd made some progress, but I was still kind of a social scaredy cat, but I was just, I'd gotten pretty good at faking it, you know, pretending like I, uh, pretending like I wasn't nervous and actually going out my got, going way out of my comfort zone and, and trying to hide that I, that I was scared to death to talk to people, but at least I was making that that step. So I felt felt pretty good about myself, but I still knew deep down that the Lord wanted more for for me. And so I uh, I got to the point where it just weighed on me so heavily that I had to. I was just compelled to um, to change things right then and there. And so I promised the Lord that, you know, I basically said, if you'll, I know that you want me to be something more than I have been. I know I've been falling, falling short of your expectations, and I know you have something in store for me but I have to overcome this fear, this anxiety that's always with me. And I, I, I told the Lord, I, I promised him that I would do no matter, no matter what it was or no matter how hard it was, no matter how scary it was, no matter how uncomfortable, how painful I would do anything he wanted me to do, including becoming, you know, elders corn president or bishop or whatever that meant. Um, I kind of had some ideas that maybe it was going to be a, a big leadership role. And, and that always scared me so badly, but I just said, I'll do anything. I don't care. Just, just, uh, you know, take me as I am, but turn me into what you want me to be and I'll, I'll do it. I just need to know how I'm supposed to do what you want me to do being the person that I am now. I, you know, I, I know you can help me. So I was having this conversation with the Lord um, just in my mind and uh, just laid it out there. I will do anything, any cost 
Um, I'm willing to be who you want me to be. Well, right then in that moment, every every ounce of anxiety that I I'd ever had, all all the little voices in my head that said, you know, don't don't uh, you know don't don't talk out loud or somebody might say something or you know don't uh, you know don't whatever they'll people will judge you. All those voices were silenced. All my fears. Um, I had several anxieties. I, I had uh, claustrophobia pretty badly. Um, I had, as I mentioned, an extreme fear of public speaking, uh, a fear of strangers. I had arachnophobia. I was scared to death of spiders. <laughs> but uh, all those things, just, just, just in a heartbeat, just in an instant, just gone, as though the Lord had flipped a switch and turned it all off instantly. Just today, there was a spider that was crawling on me, and I just kind of gently flicked it off. And a couple of days ago, there were a couple of different ones that were same thing. I just flicked them off. I've been able to take them outside, um, you know, without a big deal. You know, just kind of taking them outside, letting them go instead of squishing them, as I'd always, always done after freaking out <laughs> that they were close to me. Um, so that was totally gone. I found myself going up in a sailplane, you know, a very... If you know what a sailplane is like, um, they're typically one or two seats and you can barely fit in them. And then you close the glass canopy, you know, above above your head and you're lying down and you're cramped in there and you're and then you're up in the air. And it's it's a claustrophobia um, <laughs> a victim's nightmare. I found myself up in one of those and uh, didn't bother me a bit. And uh, I found myself that very same day walking up to total strangers as the spirit directed who say, go up to that person and give them a hug, you know, and this would be a person that I never met or seen before. And the spirit would just tell me, go up, give them a hug. And it would melt them every time they say, that means so much to me. And they, they would have tears in their eyes say, I needed that. How did you know? You don't even know me. How did you know I needed a hug? You know, and I'd say, well, I, I didn't. It's, I was just prompted to do it, and I just did it. I'm practicing being obedient to every every prompting that I get, and that was just what I was told to do. And they said, thank you. And it happened with several people over and over and over. Even one guy was a uh, – um, <clears throat> he looked like an escaped convict, you know, just stereotypically. He had, uh, you know, the tattoos all over his arms, and he had – He's wearing dark sunglasses, so I couldn't see his eyes, but he looked like a big tough guy with the muscles, like he'd been working out in prison or something, you know. <laughs> These are kind of the thoughts that go through your mind when you see someone like that. And he had a knife sticking out of his pocket. So he was somebody I definitely would have avoided in the past. But Spirit prompted me to go up and uh, sit down next to him at a bench. He was waiting for, the, waiting for a train. So I sat down next to him and started a conversation, and uh, he told me his whole life story. And, uh, you know, as, as though, almost as though I were his therapist, he just poured out his soul to me and uh, just kept happening over and over and over with lots of lots of strangers. And uh, I was just feeling more and more like I just naturally loved everybody, even people that I'd hated before. Um, I couldn't feel that towards them anymore. I had compassion towards them for the first time ever. And I found myself uh, teaching in elders quorum and giving talks in church with no preparation 
just uh, just getting up and, and speaking, speaking by the power of the Spirit. And um, I, I I figured that that event was the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. It wasn't until I actually had the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost experience about a year and a half later that uh, I realized that it, the, it, that you can have many born-again type experiences or baptisms of fire where you have a mighty change of heart and the Lord changes you and he removes veils so that you have a, a greater bandwidth for receiving revelation and speaking by the Spirit. And that's what had happened to me when I thought I had arrived until on February 13th, 2019. I That day I was feeling very strongly compelled to uh, to go up in the mountains and, and pray. And I grabbed a couple of my closest friends who were also spiritually minded and they were seeking spiritual experiences with the Lord. And we went up together and we had an experience where we, we uh, took turns crying out to the Lord and basically doing what I had done before, putting everything on the altar, you know, all of our fears, all of our, all of our desires, all of our, um, our goals, our ambitions, um, basically we were just committing everything to the Lord and agreeing to do his will in all things at all times and all places. And you know, we, we just te- took turns. Each one of us would, would cry out for maybe five minutes or so, uh, or a few minutes, whatever we felt, um, you know, whatever the spirit would, would, uh, direct us to, uh, to say, and then the next person would take a turn and we just kept going around the, amongst the three of us for uh i don't know how long it was for for hours and uh the spirit just kept building and building and and more and more light was uh was coming down we were just just filled with the spirit of the lord and uh you know from my point of view i my chest was burning and it started burning more and more profoundly or more deeply next thing i know it it spreads throughout my entire body every Every inch of my body, like every cell of my body from the inside out, all the way down to my fingertips and the tips of my toes, literally everywhere. It was like I was like I was on fire. My entire body was being burned from the inside out. And it uh, it was strange because it was very hot and it should have been painful. And yet it wasn't it didn't feel painful like you'd, you'd want to scream kind of a way. Um, it was as though I, was, I were being burned at the stake, but I was being protected from the, from the damage. I'm kind of thinking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the flaming, you know, the fiery furnace and not being harmed by it, but, but yet feeling the heat of it. <clears throat> That's the best way I can figure out how to describe it. But that that intense heat was just flowing through me, and it lasted for quite a while. And uh, you know, I I, I recognize that as the, the by far the most powerful baptism of fire I'd had in my life, um, most powerful burning sensation, and it was the most powerful spirit that I'd felt. And I I didn't immediately recognize it as the uh, baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost because I thought that I'd that my other experience that I'd mentioned um, 
had been that and that I'd already received it. And um, so anyway, later on, I uh, I prayed about it with uh, with some friends, and you know, I, I decided I better find out which which was it for sure. And all of us got the answer that the that, that last one was indeed the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And I recognized that the previous experience I hadn't felt that intense burning. It was just a spiritual experience, and I'd been changed in an instant, but. I hadn't had the uh, the natural man cleansed out, which is actually one of the <clears throat> one of the hallmarks of the the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost experience. We have the Gentile blood purged out of us, <clears throat> and it's replaced by pure blood Israel, and the natural man is replaced by somebody who has a, an intense desire to share the gospel, to talk to everybody about the the doctrine of Christ, about salvation, about the Lord, about the love of the Lord, um, and about how to how to uh, come unto him. And I found that that's what happened to me. Every, ever since that experience, that's been my overwhelming desire. It's my obsession. <laughs> and I'm often accused that I, I neglect everything else, and maybe that's the case, but I I, uh, I believe that that I'm doing the Lord's work and that he wants, he wants me to continue on that, that path. And there are lots of fruits that come for, from it because every day I, I meet new people and a lot of them are, are, are brought to me and they'll tell me things like, you know, this will sound weird, but the spirit to- keeps telling me that, that we need to talk, that you're somebody I need to have talk to, that you have a message for me. Or uh, they'll say, you know, I, I get the idea that you're somebody I can talk to. I have some questions that I, that I need to get answered and I'm wondering if we can, you know, do lunch or, uh, you know, have a conversation sometime. So I have these conversations on a daily basis, usually, usually, uh, you know, a few a day or more sometimes. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to, to share that, uh, that experience and let people know that it is real. Um, it's it's a very real experience, and it it really does change you. And I testify that the Lord can and will heal us. You know, He gives us weaknesses, as we learn in ether, so that we, uh, you know, that He can turn those into strengths. And uh, I'm a living witness of that. And uh, I bear that witness in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, I wanted to turn it over to Jacob, who's who's my co-host today, and he's going to talk about how uh, you know things that can get in the way of having that experience. And he's got some ideas of uh, how to do that. So, uh, Jacob, I'll let you take over from here. Thank you so much, Dustin. As I think about the different things that keep us from progressing on the doctrine of the path of ascension, the doctrine of Christ, receiving our baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, I did a screenshot of a lot of different scriptures that are along that way. So let me share my screen. This has to do with abandoning false traditions. We know that we're all exposed to it. One of the things that are said is history is written by the winners as a, as the excuse for hanging the losers. But the history that we have in the Book of Mormon was actually a hidden history written by who seemed like the seeming losers at the time, the last of their own people writing the history of a fallen people. 
There's lessons for us to take inside of there. Uh, I'm going to start by sharing a little bit. I started my mission as a young LDS missionary, age 19, in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. You might be seeing on the screen all the way up there. My area covered all the way up to the Canadian border. The next set of missionaries was more than 90 miles away over there in Grand Forks. The uh, It was a small town and it was rather religious. On a, You can kind of see towards the background there, one of the churches. I remember one of the intersections. You've got three out of the four intersections with big, beautiful Christian churches. And the name of the high school was the Devil's Lake Home of the Satans of all people. And I loved it. I felt like this is a mission. There was a tiny little branch. There was only six people in attendance my first Sunday there. It was Elder Franson, who was serving with his wife, Sister Franson. There was my senior companion, who had only been out in the mission field three months before receiving me as his greenie, myself, and two other six people total. And I remember being filled with excitement, saying in my heart, Heavenly Father, this is a mission. This is it, and I'm ready for it. And what I had inside of my mind were the, were the lessons from the scriptures, in particular the sons of Messiah. The only thing that I believed in regarding missionary work is that it is to be, my mission was meant to be just like the sons of Messiah. I'm supposed to get a hundred baptisms my first week, maybe a thousand my first month and carry on from there. And as one week went by, two weeks went by and we're barely growing this little branch and I'm not having a hundred baptisms or anywhere close to there. I'm having a grand total of zero baptisms. I believe it was about three weeks into my first area in my mission. I went to the bedroom earlier than my companion so I could pour my heart out to God, weeping, saying, Heavenly Father, why am I a failure? Why am I not baptizing a hundred plus and a thousand plus? And as I sobbed, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me in my mind. One of the and it had happened years earlier, once before that I recognized this is one time, nine words were said to me, I am happy with the work you are doing. It was enough to calm me. But it hasn't been until this year, 2020, which really has been the happiest year of my life by a significant margin. Among the things that have unlocked in 2020 is by the Spirit being told, Jacob, you had the right idea about missionary work. It did not translate into hundreds and then thousands baptized, but the promises are extended to us, and many of the lessons that will help us get there are contained within the Book of Mormon. On the screen, you'll see some of the clips that are regarding the uh, the sons of Messiah and their missionary labors among the Lamanites. We're going to learn a little bit about the missionary prep of the sons of Messiah, how they would teach with power and authority, how that's something very different than just reading off a teleprompters or even me just becoming dependent upon a PowerPoint presentation. We learn about how the sons of Messiah taught the plan of redemption and the doctrine of Christ and how it helped King Lamoni overcome false traditions. I'll grab a number of, I did a screenshot of a number of scriptures. The main focus is going to be Alma chapters 17 and 18. Now these sons of Messiah were with Alma at the time the angel first appeared unto him. Therefore, Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren. And what added more to his joy, they were still his brethren in the Lord. Yea, and they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of sound understanding. And they had searched the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. But this is not all. They had given themselves to much prayer and fasting. Therefore, they had the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of revelation. And when they taught... They taught with the power and authority of God. 
And it came to pass that they, uh, skipping to verse 9 of chapter 17, and it came to pass that they journeyed many days in the wilderness, and they fasted much and prayed much that the Lord would grant unto them a portion of his spirit to go with them and abide with them, that they might be an instrument in the hands of God, if it were possible, to bring their brethren, the Lamanites, to a knowledge of the truth, to the knowledge of the baseness of the traditions of their fathers, which were not correct. And it came to pass that the Lord did visit them with his spirit and said unto them, be comforted. And they were comforted. It would remind us that the, that the Nephites in general had the feeling that why are you going on a mission to the Lamanites? Isn't it better that we gather together our armies and simply wipe them out? But yet, because of their own redemption, having followed the doctrine of Christ to receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, they understood how the Spirit works. It's not a matter of memorizing discussions. They were diligent about learning the Scriptures, but they prayed that a portion of the Spirit of the Lord would go with them. They were not relying upon their own efforts. Though they gave all the efforts that they could in their preparation, they knew it was only through the Spirit of God that they would make it through this. Where the Spirit visited them, they heard the voice of the Lord be comforted. And that was enough for them to be comforted. I'm reminded a little bit of my experience in devils like North Dakota when I heard the voice of the Lord say, I'm happy with the work you were doing. That was enough to comfort me and keep going as I continue to learn throughout the years. Skipping to verse 11. And the Lord said unto them also, go forth among the Lamanites, thy brethren, and establish my word. Yet ye shall be patient in longsuffering and afflictions, that ye may show forth good examples unto me unto them in me, and I will make an instrument of thee in my hands unto the salvation of many souls. And it came to pass that the hearts of the sons of Messiah and also those who were with them took courage and went forth unto the Lamanites to declare unto them the word of God. How brave would we be if we knew we are going to be patient and long-suffering with many afflictions? There's a couple of parts that I'm going to point out rather than read all of these verses right here. This is the land of Ishmael. The Lamanites who were there, even King Lamoni, was a descendant of Ishmael. These are among the very first people to land on this, the promised land of North America, 600 BC. And what they had been taught is that there was a great rebellion, that the Nephites usurped power and authority, and that they, the Lamanites, were justified in any violence that they would commit against the Nephites. I'll simply read verse 20. And Ammon entered the land of Ishmael. The Lamanites took him and bound him as was their custom to bind all the Nephites who fell into their hands and carry them before the king. And thus it was left to the pleasure of the king to slay them or to retain them in captivity or to cast them into prison or cast them out of this land according to his will and pleasure. And thus Ammon was carried before the king who was over the land of Ishmael. And his name is Lamoni. And he was a descendant of Ishmael. What pops into my mind is there is a certain kind of spirit, most likely, because of the ancestors of a certain people, when a cursing is about to fall off. Now, what we know, I'm going to simply give a little bit of narration to bring us up to chapter 18. Ammon, who was the first person being followed in these chapters in the book of Alma, he was brought before them, he was bound, and because Ammon said, I desire to live here perhaps to the end of my days, I'll be your servant. The king was so pleased with him, said, would you like to marry one of my daughters? And Ammon said, nope, I'm going to be a missionary. I wonder how attractive that daughter was for him to say, no way, Jose. But he continues to be diligent. He saved the flocks of the king. When the sheep were scattered the first time, he was diligent in rounding them up and then defending them, putting his life on the line, even when all of the Lamanites who were seeking to scatter the flocks of the king 
thought any one of us could take out Ammon, they learned the hard way that our arms are severed and the leader is slain by the sword. When this report makes it back to the king of the Lamanites, he is astounded. He thought, oh no, this is the great spirit. I'm going to be punished because of me slaying the others who allowed my flocks to be scattered. Why is this? Now, Ammon is brought before them. And I'm going to pick up this narrative. Ammon being filled with the spirit of God. Therefore, he perceived the thoughts of the king Lamoni. And he said unto him, is it because thou hast heard that I defended thy servants and thy flocks and slew seven of their brethren with the sling and with the sword and smote off the arm of the others in order to defend thy flocks and thy servants? Behold, is this that cause? Is it this that causeth thy marvelings? I say unto you, what is it that thy marvelings are so great? Behold, I'm a man. And am thy servant. Therefore, whatsoever thou desirest, which is right, that I will do. Now, when the king had heard these words, he marveled again, for he beheld that Ammon could discern his thoughts. But notwithstanding this, King Lamoni did not open his mouth, did open his mouth and said unto him, Who art thou? Art thou that great spirit? I would point out that these are among the spiritual gifts to those who seek after the spirit. They know the thoughts and intentions of others. I think of the words shared by Dustin not long ago where the spirit would tell him, embrace this person or that person. Sit down and talk to that person. Those are gifts of those who receive their mandate from the Lord and are being guided by his spirit. Ammon said unto King Lamoni, I am not that great spirit. And the king said unto him, how do you know the thoughts of my heart? Thou mayest speak as boldly and tell me concerning these things. And also tell me by which power ye slew and smote off the arms of my brethren that scattered my flocks. If you tell me concerning these things whatsoever thou desirest, I will give it unto thee. If it were needed, I would guard thee with my armies. But I know that thou art more powerful than they. Nevertheless, whatsoever thou desirest of me, I will grant it unto thee. Now Ammon being wise yet harmless, he said unto King Lamoni, Wilt thou hearken unto my words, if I tell you by what power I do these things? And this is the thing that I desire of thee, King Lamoni. And the king answered him and said, Yea, I will believe all thy words. And thus, King Lamoni was caught with guile. And Ammon began to speak unto him with boldness. Think about that preparation right there. He was willing to put his life on the line to save his brethren that he had just met not long before to gather up the, the flocks after they had been scattered, defend them with his life on the line. And now the king realized there's something special. Tell me this power that you manifest. You know the thoughts of my heart. You are able to withstand enemies. And it seems like you cannot be taken. Now he's speaking with boldness. He starts at the beginning. He's finding a foundation where he asks, do you believe in God? I don't know what that means. Do you believe in a great spirit? And he starts there. Now, when Ammon had said these words, he began at the creation of the world. And also the creation of Adam and told him all things concerning the fall of man and rehearsed and laid before him the records and the holy scriptures of the people. This is sticking out to me for the first time. He brought the scriptures with him and he's teaching him from the scriptures. All things which had been spoken by the prophets, even down to the time that their father Lehi left Jerusalem. Maybe it's some version Something similar to what we receive in the LDS endowment session where we realize that Adam and Eve, they had to fall, that there's a plan of redemption and it's laid before their eyes. The spirit is confirming the truth. Even King Lamoni was prepared to the point where he says, I'll believe it all. Now it's getting to the point to where King Lamoni has centuries 
of traditions that have been passed on to him. King Lamoni is a descendant of Ishmael, one of the first people to show up on the North American continent with special blessings from God on this promised land. And now Ammon has to lay down the accurate history of the Lamanites. And Ammon also rehearsed unto him, for it was unto the king and to his servants, all the journeyings of their fathers in the wilderness and all their sufferings and hunger and thirst and their travails and so forth. And he also rehearsed unto them concerning the rebellions of Laman and Lemuel. It was not Nephi who rebelled. It was Laman and Lemuel. It was the sons of Ishmael, their great, 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 great grandpa, their ancestors. He's telling them clearly. These are the ones who rejected God. These are the ones who rebelled. These are the ones who brought a cursing upon you as a people. And we're trying to regain you back. Verse 39. But this is not all. For Ammon expounded unto them the plan of redemption, which is prepared from the foundation of the world. And he also made known unto them concerning the coming of Christ and all the works of the Lord did he make known unto them. This is everything. He didn't just teach the doctrine of Christ. He realized there is rebellions and sins that brought a curse upon the people that you must understand in order for you to exercise proper and real faith in Jesus Christ. They're hearing it for the first time. Can you imagine anyone among the Lamanites being willing to research these things and say, everything that we've been taught is wrong? It took an outsider. Able to do it with the spirit, with love, putting his own life on the line, being guided by the spirit to know the thoughts of those that he's teaching and teaching the king and his whole household. And it came to pass that after Ammon had said these things and expounded to the king, the king believed all his words. And he began to cry unto the Lord saying, O Lord, have mercy according to thy abundant mercy, which thou hast had upon the people of Nephi. Have upon me and upon my people. He knew something special had happened as Ammon is teaching regarding the redemption through Jesus Christ, teaching him regarding his own baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost experience about being led by an angel. And now reaching unto them, King Lamoni knows there's something special being offered. Lord, have mercy upon me and upon my people. Because of the many deaths, the many murders, that had been committed by King Lamoni in his ignorance, believing the Luciferian, doc- Luciferian doctrine that anything that we do is right. None of these killings are actually evil. We can do what we want. He now knows he's convicted. Have mercy on me and upon my people because of the amount of cleaning through the atonement of Jesus Christ. King Lamoni fell into the earth as if he were dead. And King Lamoni's servants took him and carried him unto his wife and laid him upon a bed. And he lay as if he were dead for the space of two days and two nights. And his wife and his sons and his daughters mourned over him after the manner of the Lamanites, greatly lamenting his loss. We skip forward into chapter 19 right now. For two days, King Lamoni had been laid there. Now the queen, having heard of the fame of Ammon, therefore she sent and desired that Ammon should come in unto her. And it came to pass that Ammon did as he was commanded. And he went in unto the king and desired to know what she would that he should do. And the queen said unto him, the servants of my husband have made known unto me that thou art a prophet of a holy God. Thou hast power to do many great mighty works in his name. Now, Ammon asked her if she believed. She said she did. That's what Ammon desired. 
Ammon knew that the veil of unbelief was being cast away from the mind of the king, that the light which did light up his mind, which was the light of the glory of God, which was a marvelous light of his goodness. Yea, this light had infused such joy into his soul, the cloud of darkness having been dispelled. I'll pause for a moment. Remember when the sons of Messiah, even Alma the Younger, when he was recounting his conversion, when he was caught away in a situation like this, being as if he were dead, seemingly comatose, is he even alive anymore? He felt the bitterness of hell. The gulf which separates us from our heavenly father. And then when he remembered the words of his father, that through Jesus Christ, he could be saved. He called out and as exquisite as was Alma, the younger's pain. When he thought upon Jesus and called out to him to be saved, the joy that filled him was every bit as exquisite. And he could remember the pain no more. It came to pass that King Lamoni arose according to the words of Ammon. And as King Lamoni arose, he stretched forth his hand unto the woman, his wife, and said, Blessed be the name of God, and blessed art thou. For as surely as thou, my wife, livest, behold, I have seen my Redeemer. And he shall come forth and be born of a woman, and he shall redeem all mankind who believe on his name. Now when King Lamoni had said these words, his heart was swollen within him. And he sunk again with joy. And the queen also sunk down, being overpowered by the spirit. It resulted in thousands of Lamanites being converted. The entire household, a great portion of the kingdom. Now the question that I have, could King Lamoni, his household, and thousands of Lamanites had had such a mighty change of heart if they were unwilling to abandon their false traditions and untrue history? I would remind us, that in the chapters in the following book that also plays out, these converted Lamanites could no longer live among the unconverted Lamanites. They were so changed that the darkness still being held on to those who would not give up their false traditions and their untrue history, these converted Lamanites could no longer be among them. What would have been the results if King Lamoni said, well, I certainly get this redemption through the plan of Jesus Christ, but what you're saying about my history, there's no way that that could be true. There's no way that everything that I've been taught for generations could be wrong. Could he have called upon the Savior Jesus Christ in faith? We know the answer to that is no. We know the kind of attitude that Satan seeks to place upon us as he leads us carefully down to hell. Second Nephi chapter 28 and others will the adversary pacify and lull them away into carnal security that they will say all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospers all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And behold, others he flattereth away and telleth them there's no hell. He saith unto them, I'm not the devil. There is no devil. And thus he whispereth in their ears until he grasped them with his awful chains from whence there is no deliverance. Do we remember how Satan leads us carefully down to hell? He tells us to be at ease in Zion, that all is well. 
And woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men, and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. What we've learned from the witness given by Dustin at the beginning of this meeting, as well as the scriptures in which we believe, the power of God is manifest through the gifts of the Holy Ghost. It was not people putting on suits and ties, having corporate responsibilities and quotas going out that brought about such a mighty change in the mission field. It was those who listen to the Holy Ghost, who have turned, tuned into the point that they know where to go, with whom to speak, and what words to say. Verse 27 of Second Nephi 28, Woe unto him that saith, We received, we need no more. Think if that were at the attitude of King Lamoni. Thank you, Nephite. We've received enough, and we need no more. Verse 28, and in fine, woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ receiveth it with gladness. And he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth, lest he shall fall. For behold, thus saith the Lord God, I will give unto the children of men line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear to my counsel, for they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth, I will give more. And from them that shall say, we have enough. From them shall be taken away even that which they have. Cursed is he or she that putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm or shall hearken unto the precepts of men save. Their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. There's one way to keep our hands upon the rod of iron. It is by tuning into the voice of the spirit and by following it. Whenever somebody says, I've learned enough, I'm not going to consider what it is you're sharing now. There will be those who share false things. And if we're tuned into the spirit, we will recognize the falsehoods. There are those who will share uncomfortable truths. And if we are tuned into the spirit, we can replace our false traditions and the lies that we've been raised with, with true knowledge that will lead us on the path of Jesus Christ. We are to liken the scriptures unto ourselves. Consider Lehi's situation, 600 BC, 600 years before the time of Christ, and the city of Jerusalem is worshiping by all the standards that outside observers might see. Well, they're going to the temple every single day. We've got religious leaders who give us the law and have interpreted things for generations after generations. Yet Lehi was not content and learned for himself. Something's not right. The disciples in the day of Jesus Christ, they could have consoled themselves. No, no, no. We already have religious leaders. Who is this upstart who's teaching us against our false traditions? But they didn't. They realized this man is special and came to become witnesses that not only is this man special, this is the Christ. Consider the Apostle Paul. In all his sincerity, he was fighting against the Christians who he believed were fighting against the true gospel. And it took an intervention and him abandoning his false traditions for him to become a mighty, powerful missionary. I'll leave with my testimony. We have the opportunity before us to have missionary experiences and successes like unto the Apostle Paul, like unto the sons of Messiah. It is offered to us. And if we feel that vibration in our body, that burning inside of our heart to bring thousands of souls under Christ, our testimony may be such. Heavenly Father, I'm willing to give up everything. 
Heavenly Father, whatever false traditions I'm holding on to, you have my permission to please have them ripped away as fast as I can handle, maybe even faster. We will go through discomfort, but what comes in its place is the greatest joy we've ever had. We will be filled with the fire to do the work of the Lord. I bear my testimony that Jesus Christ lives as I consider myself a babe finally holding on to the rod of iron for the first time in my life. I pledge myself unto my maker to be the kind of servant that he would have me be. I'm guided by the spirit to know the kind of discipline that is required of me and how lazy I've been for many years of my life. And I ask for the help, the same kind of help that Dustin asked for to be able to make up the difference for my weaknesses. Our God is mighty to save and the savior. Jesus Christ has already paid the price. I bear my witness that if we call upon him in faith, he will heal us and turn us into the kind of servants he desires. That witness I leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.